Sephora stores are everywhere you are. So just pop in when you need a brown lip to match your 90s playlist, a confidence boost before your interview, or a last-minute gift for mom's birthday. There's always a Sephora near you. Just pop in. Use our store locator to find your local Sephora or Sephora at Kohl's. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Welcome to AMR Answers. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. And this is Dimby McDowell coming to you just a couple days after the big Christmas holiday. Right, Sarah? Mm-hmm. Very nice. Ho, ho, ho. So, but, so, so, but to, to, to get a wooden spoon. <laughs> oh, my goodness. A, a great AMR memory. The year. <laughs> the year we both got wooden spoons. The year Timothy and Sarah both got wooden spoons from their husbands. Husbands, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't a diamond ring, like, you know, on the handle, yeah, coming down the handle, tied was, to it somehow. There was not, or, or airline tickets, I don't know, to Tahiti, none of that. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> your good old, uh, you know, what is it, world market wooden spoon. Yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. But take us back a couple of days, Tim. You had a movement assessment, is that right? I, I did. I'm always interested in, in learning more about movement and also always trying to, you know, squelch the fires that happened to start burning in my body mm-hmm. and my knees I've talked about are just, I, I can't, I, I think they're arthritic. Oh. I, I think that's the issue. I don't know for sure, mm. but I really, really want to continue to hike long distances. Mm-hmm. And so this summer we're supposed to do like a 19 or 20 or something, but it has like 7,000 feet of descending, oh. which is like Achilles teal. As far mm-hmm. as, you know, if you bad knees, well, it hurts no matter what. But anyway, mm-hmm. if, if anyone's in many happy miles, you might remember Kit Wren, who did our stick mobility sessions in September. And so I went out to his office and did a movement assessment just because I really want to get better. Mm-hmm. This isn't just like I want to keep running. This is like, I don't want my knees to hurt when I go up and down the stairs, mm-hmm. when I do lunges and squats and that kind of thing. So it's a little humbling. I will say that old movement <laughs> assessment, you know, it's like any exercise you do, like if you haven't done tricep dips in four weeks and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, like my arms, I feel like, you know, noodles after 20 of them, you know, and it's just this constant having to refill the bank. And I mean, it wasn't that bad, but it was just interesting to see like what I could and couldn't do. What did it entail? I mean, it's like seven different moves and mm. I can't remember all of them, but like squatting overhead with your, you know, your arms, oh. uh, with, mm. not overhead, but with your arms overhead. Yes, and straight squatting up. down, mm-hmm. trying to keep your feet on the floor, including your heels. Yep, yep. So that's a big one. 
there was a kind of a lunge series where where your feet are not like on railroad tracks, but they're instead like on a tightrope. That mm. was <laughs> I mm. was like, I don't even think I can stand here, Kit, let alone like, you know, do a bend both my knees. Um, what else? There's like a shoulder mobility, mm. um, which I feel like I did okay on that. <laughs> Yay, Dimity. <laughs> and so I he actually didn't send me the results. He's just sent me a program to mm. start with. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that turns out. What was some of the other stuff? Like lifting your leg off the floor. That Those were the two hardest ones were the lunging and the squatting. Mm. And then kind mm-hmm. of figuring out like what compensates when you're trying mm. to do other things, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned in the space, you know? I'll let you know if uh, I'm able to... Um, I mean, but then I got, he's also a masseuse. And so mm-hmm. like then I uh, got on his table. He's a, he's and, a, he's a masseur. Mm-hmm. A masseur, sorry. A masseuse, mm-hmm. is that female? Oh, female. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. A massage well, therapist. We can use a gender neutral for <laughs> Okay. okay. <laughs> um, and I got on his table and like he touched my calves and I was like, oh my gosh, that hurts so much, you know? And again, it's just like that foam rolling. If you keep up with it, it helps, you know, like mm-hmm, part of mm-hmm. it is that everything around my knees are so freaking tight that mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. so we'll see. I have to ask, I'm intrigued because I do feel sometimes like my body is a pinball machine and one thing hurts and then bing, it makes another thing hurt. And yeah, yeah. It, it just keeps going around and around and around. How would one find a person who could do such an assessment? I think most PTs would do it. Oh. So, I mean, I guess I would ask around. Mm-hmm. We used to talk a lot in the Train Like a Mother Club, especially like if you're going to go train for like a big goal mm-hmm. to, first of all, find a physical therapist that knows running, you know, and, and it's mm-hmm. going to be supportive of you continuing to run. Mm-hmm. And then if you can, at the beginning of the training cycle, like just go in and have have an assessment, you know, have them check out how your pelvis is balanced or not balanced, have them check out how your feet are doing, you know, just everything, kind of how everything moves, because I'm sure that they would be able to suggest a couple things, you know, Mm -hmm. to kind of keep you stronger. And then if nothing else, they have a baseline of what your body is. So when you come Mm -hmm. in and you're like, oh, I think I have an IT band problem or something like that, then it can be like, okay, well, this is, you know, let's go back to your file kind of thing instead of like treating it from scratch. It's, I mean, it's an investment, right? Like this is something that I put off. I've talked to Kit. I mean, I've known him for, he's been helping me for a while, but off and Mm -hmm. on, you know, in that way that you're like, oh, I don't need you until I really need you. (laughs) You (laughs) I'm not going to do any maintenance until like, oh my gosh, I am crying in pain. Right. (laughs) So we've talked about it for a while. And finally I was like, okay, this is going to take a while for me to like unkink and figure it out and find a routine that's going to work for me and all that kind of stuff. And we want to go in July and that's, Mm -hmm more or less seven months away, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, my first, I, I, I haven't even done one of the routines yet, but he's like, okay, we're going to start with a lot and then we'll scale it back. So it should take you about an hour. I know, I know. It's a good thing I'm on break right now. And, uh, or at least, you know, it's like, you know, the holidays. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I'm intrigued. And again, like, I feel like the more that I get into like movement and understand it more, the the more interesting it is, you know, mm-hmm, cause mm-hmm. then I'm like, Oh wow. My calf really does hurt. And that's going to really be pulling on this mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm, anyway, mm-hmm. stay tuned. It's, 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 it's enthralling. I know. Oh no, I'm envious. I want to find somebody who can make that pinball machine inside my body. Stop 
pinging around. Yeah. So. Well, I'm sure you could. I mean, and you could also ask Brittany, you know, I mean, she, I bet you she would know somebody. I mean, yeah, I, I think, I think if you ask around, I think you could find it. It's more common than you think. Mm-hmm. Okay, good, 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 good. All right. Well, keep us posted, Dim. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay well, um, here is Roberta with a question about rotating running shoes. Hi, Sarah and Dimity. This is Roberta from Rhode Island. Longtime listener, first time caller. My question has to do with rotating sneakers. So typically I have bought a pair of sneakers and used it for, you know, however long, 350 miles, 400 miles, and then either rebought the same brand because I liked it or maybe tried something else out. But now I have two different pairs of sneakers. One's an Asics and one's a Hoka. And I rotate them, and I typically use my Hokas on the long run and the Asics on a shorter run. I should note that I only do road running and no trail running. So I was wondering what your thoughts are about rotating sneakers and if you do that too. Thank you. Well, Roberta, thank you for being a longtime listener. And Dimity, shoes, something that I know I wrote about for years and years, and you have done your fair share of research as well. So. Yeah, but I wasn't like you, Sarah. You were like the the shoe guru because you had you didn't have sample size feet. I mean, sample size feet. So the thing was when you do a shoe review for a magazine, like let's you know rewind twenty years. I know it was a men's size nine. Was it was it a women's size six or seven? Seven, seven. seven. Which I mean, that's pretty doll size. It is very doll uh, size. They, yeah, they had started. So I had been the. Athletic footwear editor for Shape for Eon starting in the 90s. And then eventually some brands did move up to a size eight for women. Okay. So, but I am a men's sample size. So, which is that? That was a nine, right? Because you're 11 in real life. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. 10 or 11. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, we both have deep backgrounds with, with front yeah, shoes. But my yeah. water skis never fit into sample size because you've <laughs> got to be able to get them, you know, so like if like, you know, Asics is releasing a new pair of shoes for the fall, like you've got to test them in June or mm-hmm. even earlier, probably mm-hmm. again, it's, this was before the internet made things, you know, Amazon Prime available, right? Yeah. You know, yes. so it was like, okay, you had to get them, test them, write the copy, you mm-hmm. know, they'd be shot, all that kind of stuff. So Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yes, yes. The, the, the publication cycle of a magazine, we sound like we're, we're talking about the dinosaurs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, Roberta, kudos for knowing to wear your shoes for about the right number of miles, you know, that kind of 300 to 500 range, depending on a person's size. Dim not to call you and me out, but, you know, us Athena size runners, we're going to be on the lower end of that. Whereas, you know, if, if Roberta's a lot lighter and smaller than us, then she could get into the 500 mile range. So it kind of depends on how much wear and tear and how much pounding, how much weight is coming down on those midsoles and all those things that break down. So exactly. Yeah. She's more of a, she's more of a float than a clomp. I'm definitely a clomp. <laughs> You had to pick a pick a verb that uh, gives you your running, like what describes your running style. Yes. <laughs> what would you be, Sarah? Oh goodness, um, gosh, somewhere between. I kind of, uh, I am proud of the fact that I don't make a whole lot of noise when I run, despite being five eleven and very much in the Athena weight category. So, are, you, are you a whisper? Oh, look at you! This is like a party game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, right. um, anyway, I interrupted I'm a, you, whisperer. I'm a, I'm a, 
a gurgling brook. So that, you know, it's just a a light, pleasant sound. Yes. So for rotating your shoes, you know, many experts do recommend that because it does a number of things. One is it lets the foam in your shoes recover, much like your muscles do. And so then in theory, this letting the foam recover. So if you've been, you know, clomping or whispering down the street, (laughs) that that, that whatever weight you have put on that, you know, it's it's multiple times your body weight and it's going to compress it slightly. So that letting them rest more than just, let's say you ran on Tuesday, if you have a different pair to wear on Wednesday, then those Tuesday shoes get to sit there and get back to more of their normal foaminess. And so in theory, that will extend the life of each pair of shoes so that, let's say, over the course of two years, you're only buying eight pairs of shoes instead of 10 pairs of shoes or something like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, um, I mean, the other part that is good about thinking about rotating your shoes is it helps you prevent injuries. Mm -hmm. And here's how is because, you know, she talks about hokas and ASICs. So Mm -hmm. hokas are... I mean, they used to look a lot more like moon boots. Now they're they're <laughs> definitely like slammed their design and profile and they're everywhere now. Oh, yes, they are. Do you oh. remember when we were at Ogden? I was like, what's up with those shoes? Yeah. And did they start in Colorado? Because it seems like that's where they got popular mm. first. I don't know where they started, actually. Yeah, but, I, I don't but know. But you, you knew what they were. Uh-huh. And I was just like, what? Like... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but obviously, so they have some, they have some more float to them, shall we say some cushioning, which is great for longer runs. Um, And then, you know, and then ASICs might be a little bit more streamlined, a little bit better, maybe for speed work, depending upon the style that you have, or, you know, a shorter run. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they are built differently. They're built on different lasts, they're designed differently. Mm -hmm. And that actually is going to serve you Well, because again, a lot of our injuries come from like ligaments and tendons and Mm -hmm. small little things that we can't necessarily strengthen, Mm -hmm. but running step after step does strengthen them and running them in like two different shoes. It's like wearing, you know, a pair of skinny jeans and a pair of like mom jeans, you know, like they're (laughs) essentially the same thing, but they've served two very different purposes, right? Going grocery shopping versus going out on the town. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, that's a very obviously basic explanation, but I, I, it does serve you well. Now that said, like, if you are like, oh my gosh, I got to go get another pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. I would say no. I mean, I've never rotated shoes. Oh, I know I've written really? that advice quite a bit, mm, but I never. You. Mm. Yeah, because I never, I don't know. I just never felt like I needed to, you know, like maybe I should have, maybe that would have like, you know, prolonged my running career a little bit, but I feel like I tended to run like three or four days a week. Mm-hmm. So mostly had a day off in between runs, mm-hmm. you know, okay. and it's also dry here in Colorado. So they dried out well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't. Yeah. 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 So and, and people who are listening also or who are like, oh, my gosh, what do you mean I have to get a new pair of shoes? You know, if you run once or twice a week, maybe that maybe it's not your main sport or maybe it's just where you are with your stage of running. It's perfectly fine to have just one pair of shoes. And so I have always been a have two pairs of shoes in the rotation. But for me, they're often different pairs of the same style. So that, you know, like right now, I'm completely and utterly loyal to Topo Phantom 2s. And so I just have two different colors of them. So I know, oh, I wore the gray ones Monday. I'll wear the dark teal ones Tuesday. (laughs) Also, I kind of play catch up with one of them. So that let's say taking those gray and green ones, that the gray ones, let's just say I debuted those on January 1st, then I'll get 200 miles maybe or uh, roughly 
into them and then I'll debut the new pair. And so that then I can kind of get a sense of like, huh, those gray ones are starting to feel vastly different than the green ones. It's time to retire the gray ones and then make the green ones the older pair and get a new pair. And so they're always kind of leapfrogging each other. Well, and that's a great strategy to use if you do if you have a pair of shoes that you love and, and you're training for a marathon or something that has a long training cycle, you know, mm-hmm. and you know that you're going to want to refresh your shoes during mm-hmm. the training cycle and have kind of a fresh pair of shoes to race in, mm-hmm. then, you know, you can introduce those like, you know, six weeks before race day or whatever and do a couple long runs in them and just kind of, you know, get used to them and make sure that they feel as good as your other pair mm-hmm. and then you're good to go. Yep. 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 All right. We'll be back with more questions and answers after this short break. Stick around. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Okay, trail running Tiffany has another footwear-related question. Hi, Sarah. This is Tiffany in Indiana. I am calling because I have just started to fall in love with trail running, and I have registered for a nighttime trail run here in Indiana in January. So there's a potential of not only tripping because of tree roots, but snow and ice. As a new trail runner, I'm wondering if I need to use my trail shoes and Yak Tracks are only one. Thanks so much. Love your show. Ooh, Tiffany, a nighttime trail run in January. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Tiffany is a badass. Seriously, seriously. Okay, so Timothy, get a load of this copy. I'm pretty sure that this is the race. Thanks to Google, I, I searched around. And uh, this is what it says on the race's homepage. Uppercase letters. Decide you want it more than you fear it. Uh, the 12th annual Winter Night Trail Half and Quarter Marathon returns for those that want to kick off their 2023 run season with a brutally awesome accomplishment. But remember, this event has sold out every year since it started. So if you want to join the party, don't wait. I love it. Tiffany is joining the party and I love it. I love the fact that it sells out. It reminds me, we had a a guest on our AMR Trains podcast last week, Kellen, who lives in Michigan. I think she might be of a similar vein. She's got that, (laughs) you know, hearty Midwestern blood. She was telling us about a half marathon where basically they don't plow. It's it's, it's Groundhog's Day half marathon. Uh So you do the same loop three times. It's like a four mile loop Mm -hmm. and, and they don't plow it. And also, if there's like snow or ice or anything on the road, you just go for it or on the trail. I don't even know what it is. And I'm just like, yeah, that sounds like something I'd be interested back in the day. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That is so Midwestern. That is just unreal. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so, Tim, I was thinking that before we answer this question, maybe give a little 411 about what yak tracks are. So we all know what Tiffany is talking about in her question. Sure. So traction devices are things you pull over your running or hiking shoes. You can put them on hiking boots and they are either coils, small metal studs, or like tooth-like spikes on the bottom that grip onto snow and ice. And as I'm doing this, I'm kind of curling my fingers and making my my fingers be like little spikes. So um, <laughs> some brand names include Yak Tracks Pro, Catula Micro Spikes, Catula 
exo spikes or black diamond blitz spikes. It's funny though because yak tracks are kind of the Kleenex of this category. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> and then, and I even use that term when I'm talking about what I wear, and I don't wear yak tracks. I wear Catula exo spikes, and the main reason is because they work well on pavement where there are patches of black ice or icy snow, both of which we get here in Portland, so that it's not. I'm not out there running on you know I don't know a foot of snow. It's, sure. It can sometimes even almost look like safe, clear pavement. But oh, no. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, because we also do get frozen fog here. That's a real fun one to run on. So <laughs> so, so those those exospikes are particularly good for that because they're kind of just like little studs on the bottom of your shoes. It's not like I'm running around on vampire teeth. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. just for the record, I like the Nano Spikes. That's also a Catula brand. And that's a, mm. they're just a little bit smaller than the exospikes. Mm, the other mm-hmm. thing that you can do is put screws in the bottom of your shoes. And there's mm. definitely like if you Google screw shoes on, mm-hmm. on YouTube, you'll be able to see how to do that. And mm-hmm. it just, yeah, it just gives you traction. A little DIY. Mm-hmm. A little DIY. Yep. If you need a project <laughs> after the holidays are done. <laughs> yeah. So I would just, Tiffany, I think you just make a game day decision because mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. people are the race director or people like milling around the start. You know, I would definitely ask around, but I think definitely wear your trail shoes, no matter what. Yes, yes, right? yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And some warm socks, some wool socks. Well done. Uh-huh. I mean, the thing that I did with like the nano spikes is I just carried them in my pocket. Like I put them in my pack, mm-hmm. if you have a pack. And mm-hmm. so when I was out hiking, say in like March, when some parts of the trail were totally dry and didn't need them and some parts were really icy, I would just stop and put them on. Now, granted, I know you won't have the, <laughs> the gift of sight <laughs> when you're out there at night, but I would just, I would, yeah, I think a game day decision is the right thing. But I want to hear more about this race. So I almost think we need like a PS. Mm-hmm. Tiffany, like after you run it, I want to, in January, I love a good like race report. So if you want to call in after and let us know how it goes, we would love to play it on a corresponding episode. episode. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. Oh, I, I tell you, I get chilly just thinking about it. Uh- <laughs> I got to say, like, I really am enjoying like the cold. Maybe it's because I'm just like in the season of hot flash central right now. <laughs> Holy cow. Um, but I like last yesterday, it was pretty cold around here. And I was just like, I got to get out of this house. And I like went for a hike or not a hike, just a walk with a dog. And like, I didn't see anybody else out there. Mm-hmm. And then was well, so there something else? Oh, I kind of got intrigued by a polar plunge idea as well. I think mm-hmm. I might go try that um, in mm-hmm. January. So stay That's tuned. so funny. I just found one of those online and I debated sending it to Molly. And I was like, no, I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> we did do, we, Molly and I went into our beloved pond. I want to say maybe on February 3rd. I think she was out of town or sorry, not February, January 3rd, because I think she was out of town for New Year's Day. And I got to tell you, Dim, one thing that it made my glutes seize up like nothing I've ever felt before. Like, yes, it was cold, and, yeah. but I could deal with the cold. It was my butt cheeks clenching so hard to be quite graphic. I, it was agonizing. Agonizing. Wow. wow. <laughs> I, um, I listened to a, uh, a podcast recently. Is it Chris Hensworth, who's like an Australian actor? Helmsworth. Who's, uh-huh. Helmsworth. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, who was born the... in 1983. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, <laughs> how did you know that? <laughs> because I, I'm listening to this fabulous podcast that Adrian Martini suggested called Snafu. It's hosted by Ed Helms. The- oh, I just, oh my gosh, that's so funny. I heard him. Rob Rob Lowe yesterday interviewing him at Helms about Snafu. So yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's all just all origami <laughs> folding onto each other. And the 
first season of Snafu is about something that happened in 1983. And on the episode I listened to this morning while I was walking, Ed Helm said, was saying things that happened in 83, like Risky Business came out and the movie okay. War Games came out. And then he also said, oh, and over in Australia, a baby Chris Helmsworth was welcomed into the world. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. Well, I was listening to a podcast. He did something. It's called Drive. It's with Dr. Peter Atia. It's kind of Again, going back to like the movement assessment, it's all about like living your best life, um, mm-hmm. like living to be like an octogenarian with like mm. your full range of being able to do things. Mm-hmm. And so uh, anyway, but they did a they worked on a National Geographic series called like Limitless or something like that. Mm. Mm. It was in the Arctic in Norway. And I don't know how far he swam. They didn't really explain. Mm. I think they want you to go watch the episode, which <laughs> I can't because I don't have Disney Plus. <laughs> but uh, he said like however far he went it was like and and being underwater putting his head underwater mm-hmm. he said it was the most painful thing he's ever done in his life mm-hmm. like it's just it just is it is but it, but then they started to go on to talk about like the benefits of being in cold water mm-hmm. not that cold water you know mm-hmm. but um so that made me think of it when you say you're clenching your glutes like i'm like okay i think uh chris was like ten thousand times that but anyway <laughs> so Oh, goodness. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. All right. We're, we're steering the car back from that tangent, yeah, okay, which is okay, very okay. enjoyable let's, side. side. <laughs> let's talk about Becca. Yes, yes. This is Becca with a kids and bedtimes question. Hi, Serendimity. This is Becca, your gal pal from upstate South Carolina, calling in with a question. This has actually been something I've been dealing with lately. I have preteens who are starting to stay up a little later and... Being a morning runner, I want to get him to bed earlier. And it's been worse than having toddlers with them getting out of bed, putting them back into bed, and trying to keep them there. So I'm just wondering, since you all have teens or kind of past that age, what you did to transition to this different sleep routine and trying to still get up early to get a workout in and um, get the morning going to get things off to school. So. Love your insights. I know you've been there, done that. So I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Thanks. Okay, so I love it. A parenting-related question. And Dimity, I'm intrigued to hear your response first because I'm convinced that my answer will get me the worst mom of the year award. So I'm making you go first. Well, it's hard for me. I, I listened to this one and I, I think it's a great question. You know, my kids don't fall far from my early bedtime tree, even as, you know, they never have. And so, I mean, even Amelia now, who's 19, are going to be, is she 19? Yeah. Yes. I I had Ben's age wrong in the last podcast. So now I'm like, Ben is still 16 and Amelia's 19. They're three years apart. Okay. she She's like, I can't believe my roommate in college, mom. We like have the same bedtimes. And I'm like, oh, what is that? She's like, oh, nine, nine thirty. And I'm no, like, yeah. no way. Yeah. Oh I mean, God. honestly, it is genetically hard. I mean, I don't know about her. And of course she stays up late for sure. But like, I just hit a wall. I really do hit a wall, especially as I get older. And so, you know, around our house, like things close down at nine, like they just Mm. do. Um, Mm. I remember again, my older sister, when we were little or growing up, she would come home at like 10 or whatever. She's like, I can't believe nobody's up. Like this is the (laughs) lamest house ever. And my mom was just like, yeah, well, so that's, you know, that's the, what it is. I want to say one thing to that because I lived in the exact same type of house growing up. I remember my entire family would have gone to bed and it was like 9.05 and I, everybody at school was watching that show Soap with Billy Crystal like a million years ago. Okay. And the whole house would be dark. You know, I grew up in an old house. So it was scary, even with the lights on. Yeah. And I just thought, 
I can't do it. I can't stay up that late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. So, I mean, so my my bit of advice, and Becca, I don't know, how, like preteens, I don't know what that looks like, and I don't know what your kids are like. But if I were in this the situation where they kept getting out of bed and I wanted them to get back in bed because it was stressing me out because I needed to get up in the morning, I would say, okay, here are the rules. Like, you can stay in your room. You can read a book, mm-hmm. let them think that they're staying up late, but like no screens. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one thing I would say, like, I'm pretty a stickler for that. Like Ben can stay up later, but I'm like, okay, at nine o'clock, your phone goes, mm-hmm. if he's not like working in on homework, your mm-hmm. phone goes downstairs, your computer goes off. Mm-hmm. Those are just the rules because I would rather have him sleeping. You know, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. nothing good that's going to come out of him playing more video games or watching, you know, <laughs> RuPaul's more Drag Race yeah, for the so. 18th time, you know? <laughs> so I would just say, yeah, so these are the rules. You can be in your room, you can read a book, you know, here's some coloring stuff. But if you come out or whatever, you know, whatever they like to do, if you come out, then you lose those privileges. Mm-hmm. Again, like that is me totally like spitballing the situation because mm-hmm. I don't know if our kids like to read. I don't know what they're like, but that's, I would mm-hmm. somehow like set some parameters where they get to pick their bedtime, but they have to be in a contained space where you know that they are safe and you feel comfortable enough to fall asleep yourself. Mm-hmm. See, I, I knew that you had a few more rules in your household than I do. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. I mean, I am, this is the analogy that sprung to my mind when I was Uh, thinking about this answer, which is that when I flew on a plane with all three of my kids, we would fly cross country to see my parents out in Connecticut. And my philosophy is it is every person for themselves. And so that we would take red eye flights. And there was one time that it was pretty early on. I mean, my older daughter, Phoebe is 20. So she was probably, let's say, five, maybe four. And it was those early days when the airplanes first got the, the screens in the back of the, you know, seat in front sure. of you. And Finding Nemo was on and she just, her eyes got as big as saucers and she was like, I'm going to watch it. And I'm like, eh, it's fine. Like, I'm going to go to sleep on this plane. I'm going to lean against this window here and I'm going to go to sleep. And if, if my kid watches Finding Nemo all night, that's at least she's not bothering me or any other passenger on the plane. So, sure. so I don't stay up until my kids go to bed. I mean, they know where their bed is. They'll get to it. You know, the, the doors are locked. I mean, there was a time, oh my gosh, during the pandemic lockdown, and I didn't find this out till months later, John and a friend of his who lives down the street rode the bus to get Taco Bell one night. And I was wow. like, I'm like, okay, you left the house. And you rode a bus during the pandemic? Like, what were you thinking? (laughs) So, and when he finally told me that, I was like, oh, I wish you'd walked. And I'm like, okay, is that a better suggestion? So, you know me, Dim, I'm an optimist and I I am trusting that things aren't going to bad happen. And because also in terms of like now that I have two 17-year-olds and a 20-year-old, like they're not out partying or anything like that. So like last night... Jack, John, and I, so my husband and my son and I got home from being out. John had a dance performance. And I was yelling around for Daphne and couldn't find her. And her twin yells downstairs, oh, she's out with friends. I'm like, okay. So I text her. I'm like, where are you? She said, oh, sorry, I didn't tell you I'm out getting ice cream with my friends. I didn't check later to make sure she got home from ice cream. So, Oh, um, I, I, uh, I would check. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, we do have a couple of different rules, but the, but the idea is, is that like, you know, trying to kind of give them some freedom and let them understand natural consequences sometimes and not, but, you know, again, like, I feel like that's hard 
not knowing the kids or the situation super well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I always, I mean, like that is one thing I, when they come home, like they have a curfew and I'm like, you need to come and tell me that you're home because mm-hmm. I will wake up in the middle of the night and it'll be two. And I'm like, where are they? And I get up and check and make sure that they're there. So mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. But I guess the natural so, consequence is you is, you know, you'll deal with it in the morning. They're not, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. My, and, and I think, I think one of my kids has maybe stayed out until one, but that was, that was it. So yeah, there's, yeah. I don't know. There's, it's not a party scene. Maybe it's my kids. I don't know. It's just, doesn't seem like a party scene here, but so how about the getting up early to get in that workout? Because I, it is tough. I mean, when I, I would have to be back by, I don't know. I'd be pushing it if I got back at 745 because then I still have to make lunches, drive them to school. So for a couple of years there, because now I don't make lunches for my kids and they can get themselves off to school. But, you know, for a while there, I was definitely having to wake up far earlier than I wanted to because of those, you know, things that I had to do. You got to work backwards. How much time Mm -hmm. do you need? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely a dedicated runner that Mm -hmm. does that. Yeah, it's it's uh it's hard. And and then I look back, I'm like, how did I ever do that? But you know, when you're in the middle of it, you're just like, Oh, that's that's, that's what, what I, I have do. to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also feel that the our, you know, our schools here in Oregon were online for a year and a half. So that we didn't have that, oh, driving them to school, getting them lunches. And so I definitely got to sleep in a little bit later. So it was one silver lining of the pandemic. But there you um, go. But yeah, but it's um, you know, getting back and from the workout or coming upstairs from the treadmill, it's it's oftentimes an earlier than you'd like alarm, Becca. And it's just know that you're gonna miss the kids when they're out of the house. So so you know, try to enjoy it while you can. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we love getting your questions and we are always in need of them. And to leave a voice memo, which I now, as Dimity alluded to, I now share with Dimity. So she gets to hear them all along before I would just kind of transcribe them. So it's new, Dim, for you to listen to them. I mean, and I knew you'd like hearing them. Uh, we have a good system in place. So here's how to leave those questions by dialing 470-BADASS-1. That number translates to 470-223-2771. Leave your first name and where you're calling from. And this is important. Please leave your message to a minute or less. And the number's in our show notes, so you don't need to memorize those digits. And in case you haven't heard, Many Happy Miles, our annual membership program, is open for registration. And the program actually starts in a few short days. So if you want 2023 to be your year of consistency, of strength, of community, of different challenges and variety in your workouts, make 2023 your year of many happy miles. Uh, It's our fifth year. We're getting things dialed this year. We are adding in a community check-in and we are adding in workouts that are very inclusive. So every workout can either be applied to run or run, walk, walk, or cross-training. So again, if your knees feel like mine, you can still join Many Happy Miles and find Many Happy Miles. So check it out at anothermotherrunner.com slash Many Happy Miles. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medore from Fire on the Bluff. So keep those questions coming. We're here with answers. And what else, Sarah? Some micro spikes? Some, I don't know. <laughs> some <laughs> don't lax know. parenting? I don't know. Some lax parenting, something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Whoops, sorry. I'm knocking things around on my desk.